Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, this is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and today, delighted to bring you this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution, creators of the most powerful marketing and communication software built specifically to meet the needs of insurance agencies and brokerages. If you believe that the relationship you have with your clients is the heart of your business, and I suspect that you do, then you need to see how Agency Revolution can make those relationships stronger, deeper, longer. If you haven't done it lately, please do yourself a favor. Visit agencyrevolution.com to receive a free demo of their award-winning software today. And delighted to bring you my guest Uh, Randy Schwantz, well-known name in the industry. He has been training commercial lines producers for almost 30 years, which is why he is so good at it and why I turned to him uh, in this episode. Now that we've gone through about a year of the COVID pandemic, um, it's clear that, um, well, a lot of producers a year ago, I think a lot of producers probably went into panic and some commercial lines producers probably struggled with um, their production because so many of the normal traditional communication and sales tools were taken away from them. Uh, However, during this very same year, many commercial lines producers had their best year ever. And Randy Schwantz uh, delivers his insight on why. He's responsible for uh, why some of them did have a good year. Randy's the founder and owner of the Wedge Group. He's been guiding producers to the next level for almost 30 years. And in this episode, he shares, um, well, how how many successful producers are really shooting ahead during the COVID pandemic and in really practical terms, what they are doing and what they have done. Uh, We talk about the unique role that principals must play in producer development, and particularly now in the modern age with new challenges, new tools, new technologies, new Well, new behaviors by prospects and the marketplace. And we talk about the future of commercial lines production in the modern insurance agency. So I'm going to bring you into the conversation in just a moment. If you haven't done this yet, if you'd be kind enough, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Let's be buds. Um, And uh, again, if this podcast series has been of value to you, I'd be really grateful if you'd give us a five-star review. And if there's anything I can do to make it better, I'd be grateful if you just told me and reached out to me at michael at michaeljans.com. And so, um, well, now, and also please follow Agency Revolution on LinkedIn so you don't miss out on anything. And um, again, I I do want to say I'm I'm really grateful. I think... um, uh, that the, uh, the listenership has gone up significantly in the last few weeks. Maybe we've started out with a really good year. Um, we are, uh, we're around 215,000 downloads and going up every day. So, 
Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for your li listenership. Uh, if we've earned your loyalty, I'm really grateful. <laughs> but again, as always, if there's anything we can do, if you've got a guest that you would like me to interview, if you've got a topic you want us to explore, let me know, michael at michaeljans.com. So now without further ado, it is my privilege to introduce you to this conversation with my friend and colleague, Randy Schwantz. Randy Schwantz, uh, good to have you back. You've been on this show before, but it's been a long time. And I know that this past year has been particularly interesting, fascinating for um, Commercial Alliance producers. So I'm excited about this conversation. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Um, and, well, and like I said, I am excited about this conversation. So first of all, for those who may not know Randy Schwantz as well as I do, Randy, if you'd be kind enough, tell us what it is that you do and how you got to be that guy, because there, there are not a lot of uh, you in this industry. So you've really, you've stuck with it and, and created a really powerful brand with some, you know, training that gets, that is a great reputation. How did that come about? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, man. It's, now that I think about it, it's, I think next month is 30 years doing this. Oh, goodness. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so maybe someday I'll get some experience and figure it out. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I was kind of a, a, a product of the late 80s uh, real estate bust, savings loan bust, trying to find a job and um, um, was doing some things in the construction business. Long story short, a friend of mine had an advertising agency. I did some things with him. And started doing some sales training for clients. One of my first clients was his, it was an insurance agency in Dallas, Texas. And then one day he gave me the advice: you ought to focus on insurance. And I haven't looked back. Bingo! All right. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so now, you are you're the founder. I am. Of, yeah. And what do, what do you call it now? Yeah, we call it the Wedge Group. Still call okay. it the Wedge well, Group. Well, I wasn't sure if you still use that name because I've I've always thought you're the Wedge guy. Yeah, um, but uh, I know that you've done so much work since you first started calling it the Wedge Group. So, um, so, so in short, what is it? Uh, how would you describe your area of expertise? Yeah, I mean, I think we we, we uh, very simply we try to simplify growing an agency, simplify it through through developing producers and helping them become better at prospecting, selling, selling, and then retaining that book and growing it. And there's, you know, a couple of key things to do that. Okay. Well, uh, as I said uh, a moment ago, um, it's been a fascinating year for producers uh, who probably most were used to visiting people, showing up in the office of the factory. And of course, you know, there have been a lot of changes, but <laughs> as you said, you've been at this game for about 30 years. I'm sure that there are some things that are really like core principles that are really the same, that are they're so fundamental to, oh, human psychology and human behavior and selling that, you know, a thousand years from now, somebody's going to be doing the next version of a podcast. And some of those principles will be exactly the same. But I'm sure that there are some fairly significant changes uh, in the insurance industry, in technologies and probably technique really quite different than they were 30 years ago. So I, so let's start with that. What do you see as the trends and forces that are uh, shaping the industry as it pertains to commercial lines production? Yeah, man, that's, 
you know, I, I think that's a hard question because the biggest force that's shaping things is the private equity money that is chasing insurance agencies. You know, over 4,000 agencies have been bought in the last decade. And that was, it gutted the middle market from being all these independent agencies. A lot of those guys have been, been absorbed up into these behemoth sort of billion dollar companies now. And, um, and those companies, I mean, honestly, they're not great at developing producers or salespeople. They're trying to aggregate all that money and then flip it and roll it and things like that. So then everybody that's left over, um, that opens up some humongous, beautiful doors to, uh, to go attack their business and win it. And uh, that's what I see as the biggest trend. Okay, so that's that's interesting, and and uh, so so you raised uh, something that um uh, always fascinates me, and I, I don't think this I don't think we'll spend a lot of time on this one, and that is the question as to whether or not the private equity firms, um, uh, are um, building something of lasting value beyond um, uh, size and volume. And as to whether or not they're um, investing something that uh, elevates their value proposition above their competitors. Now, what, so what's interesting is that y you said you haven't observed that they're really great. They're not really great at um, developing, training, recruiting producers, which is fascinating to me. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I can name names and I won't. <laughs> but a lot of their a lot of their value proposition is come join us and we're going to leave you alone, and they do. Um, they might aggregate up uh, you know some some volume and things like that, and they might change some commission structures, and they might bring some big corporate services. But frankly, it doesn't get driven down onto the streets. It doesn't get interpreted into really value for most, and very little things change. So okay. yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see big positive impacts for those agencies if I'm a producer on the streets. Okay, so let me ask you another question because that that is a significant percentage of the industry. Do do you think that? Do you see? Have you seen that when a principal sells up into a larger private equity firm? that they then are hesitant to, uh, even though most of them will enjoy um, the benefits of growth, they're also uh, perhaps hesitant to make expenses that might not work out um, yeah. be because of the, the, the contract and the, and the manner in which they get compensated. So they're a little more risk averse. Have you, is that something you've noticed? <laughs> <laughs> a little, okay. a little more risk. <laughs> they okay. are incented. They're incented to drive EBITDA. They're, yeah. they're incented okay. to drive profitability. And the way you drive profitability is you don't, you, you spend as little money as you can get the biggest, the biggest EBITDA, and then you get your biggest payout. So they're, they go through a three-year payout where they just strip costs best they can and okay. hiring producers is a cost most of them don't want to incur. So, so pretty, pretty common then for about a three-year period um, for them to be um, cost conscious, which then, uh, it was, so, so it, it probably to some extent forces them to look at investments as expenses. Yes. Got it. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, you're, 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 by the way, you're not the first person to share that with me. And it's also yeah. been my observation. And 
when when I was running an insure tech, that was that was uh, something that uh, we, occasionally we would run into that as a problem, right. and right. required more creative solutions. So, so yeah. so you you said that opens up a big opportunity for everybody else. Well, well, yeah. So now, if and here's here's what's interesting about this. Um, you know, my my daughter. I, I live in Raleigh, Durham, North North Carolina. I'm from Texas, but we moved up here three and a half years ago because my daughter goes to school at Duke and she plays volleyball over there. So Duke is known to be a powerhouse of a volley, of, of a basketball team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it would be easy to sca- be scared of them because of reputation, probably as much so as what you see as the real people. But the reality is, so the, my my analogy is. When these firms get big, it's easy for the smaller independent agencies to be somewhat scared of them because they're big machines. But the reality is this. Uh, in most cases, they're no different and they're no better. And when an agency that's still independent, that's driven by a powerful entrepreneurial, care about it, driven leader, I mean, they can create differentiation that then can go blow away those people and write a lot of stuff because, because of the, I'm not going to say apathy, but, but think about this from this perspective. When you look at those numbers that a lot of those, those private equity firms are growing, they're growing two or three, 4% organic year after year after year. That means they're not big organic growth engines. There's an apathy that's just kind of baked into it. And so all I'm saying is therefore it's a great opportunity for those who are remaining independent to be able to go romp and stomp and create the kind of cultures to be able to attract good new talent in and do things and build great agencies. That's okay. my point. Uh, no, uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting message. So uh, let me follow up on my original question. Uh, uh, do you see other trends and forces that are, oh, uh, that are changing the industry for the commercial lines producer? And, and that could be forces that, uh, make it more challenging or more threatening, but also forces that make it uh, easier with more opportunity. Yeah, I kind of do, but I kind of don't, Michael, because, you know, obviously technology is becoming more pervasive, uh, but you got to learn how to use it. Um, but still on a data, so, so on a day-to-day basis for a typical commercial insurance producer, you still got to find a way to, to make contact and set appointments. You still got to find a way to to beat the incumbent and book the business. And you still got to find a way to retain it. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed in a long time. And in, in, in considering the fact that that is 80, 85, 90% of the job, therefore, you could say it's very little impact. What, what has happened this year is that they're having to do it virtually. Um, and... Um, uh, it, 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 some, a lot of people are struggling with that because they're used to have, so used to having to be one-on-one and all the relationship and all the BS associated with that, that they, they're struggling to figure out how to do it virtually, but virtually has offered a gift to the gifted, the, the intelligent driven person. Cause now they're sitting there going, I have no boundaries. My boundaries just dissolved. I'm no longer in this jail called my geography. I opened up to the whole United States of America if I want to. So if they're, for example, so if they're a niche player, um, their footprint all of a sudden just it, it, the the boundaries on it disappear, and they they have the country 
That's um, right. But also, do, do you see to some extent that um, it optimizes the use of their time a little bit better? So, for example, I you know, I don't know how how many people your trainees could see in one day, but. Uh, at least we've certainly eliminated the commute for a lot of those right. appointments. So it's, it would seem that uh, while indeed they may have lost a little bit of the advantage of pressing the flesh and breaking bread, they've gained the advantage of maybe being able to see something like twice as many people in one day. Have you seen some motion in that direction? Well, I, I can't. I can't say that I can validate that as a stat. I can mm-hmm. say theoretically, it's absolutely true. And, I, and 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 see what, what what's interesting is in this in this environment when you've got a well-formed differentiation competitive advantage and you've got the ability to communicate it you can get a you don't have to drive b in this environment boom you get down to doing business faster mm-hmm. and so you can be more efficient be faster write more business I mean I've I get I get correspondence all the time of Hey, hey, Randy. I mean, I just closed this, you know, the, this fifteen thousand dollars revenue account by BOR, and I never met the people. Hey, I just, I just closed this thirty thousand dollars revenue account by BOR, and I never met the people. I did it all virtually. So they probably met them well, like you and I are, and you and I have done before, where we could see each other and hear each other, right, in real time, um, on uh, uh, digitally, virtually. They've done that. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. They, they've done yeah. something. They they had a phone call or. Uh... So, yeah, so yeah, yeah, fair enough. So that digitally, they had a phone call. They set up an appointment. Digitally, okay. they Zoom call. They they got together. Digitally, they came back, did the deal, closed the deal. So they did Boom. digital, 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 virtual, all the way through uh-huh. because they got really good at conveying. So you know our industry is loaded still. With producers out there doing the whole price coverage relationship deal, right? Yeah. And the problem is they are they're destroying themselves and they're going on all these suicide missions because when they're relying too much on relationship, then they don't have to rely on value. When they rely too much on price coverage, it's too easy for the incumbent to match it. So those people stuck in that box are suffering. But the people who've who've raised their game and have really I, I use the term proactive services from re, there's reactive services and proactive services. When they define their proactive service platform and find good, get it good, getting good at communicating it, then, then now they can get on the phone, talk to those things in a more concrete, um, uh, predictable way and get those outcomes. And it's just fun to watch. Okay. Let, let's draw, let's make the distinction and I'll ask for a little more specificity. So reactive service, I would assume, um, falls into the category that, well, that you hear so often in the insurance industry, uh, we take really good care of our customers, right? So, right. so, so in other words, when a customer calls with a problem, we'll take really good care of them. Right. And uh, I, I also see that uh, as a marketer, I see that so frequently. Yep. Um, and so you're suggesting, so, so in marketing, we suggest, well, now it's time for you to be more proactive and reach out and deliver meaning and deliver value and deliver some delight. Uh, so you're suggesting a similar thing in the, uh, on the production side, uh, to create a proactive service to, uh, give us, give us some sense of what that might look and feel like. Yeah. So, so we, yes. And so, um, what that would mean. And let, let's, let's talk about you and me and our, our financial planners. All right. 
because because you know it's just a good analogy. Um, uh, a reactive financial planner. If you know, if we come into some money, we send it to them. They'll help us invest it. If we got a question about taxes, we call them up. They'll help us answer it. Uh, if there's something going on in the market, we'll say, "Hey, man, what, what do you think the market's going to be?" And they'll respond to us. That's all reactive service. Mm-hmm. But if a financial planner set up a calendar where every quarter they they've got it's all planned out, they're going to do they're going to rebalance the portfolio and show us what they're going to do. They're going to uh, do a tax mitigation reduction review that would probably happen, you know, somewhere close to the end of the year. Um, they would, and, and then maybe there's a couple other reviews that they could actually name and label it and not just go, Hey, we're going to be there for you. Let's talk. Let's go, let's get together on a quarterly basis and talk. No, no, no. Tell me what you're going to do and label it. Just like you and I both have children. Our children have names and those labels actually help us identify those kids. When they start to identify those services put it on a timeline into the future. We call those proactive services and putting them on a proactive service timeline. That is where you get a whole lot of distinction in this marketplace. Ah, okay. Um, you, uh, so you uh, earlier you had mentioned oh, about the kind of the trap of selling on price. Yeah. Um, yeah. T- talk to us about what you see there. I, I, th- I think you began like the, the proactive service really begins to uh, solve that problem, but to, to talk to us a little bit about the problem that uh, that selling on price oh, delivers to the producer or the agency or in general the industry as a whole. Yeah, so so if you've got a buyer that is reasonably content, now if they're mad, it's different. But most of them are reasonably content. You know, they're they're going to take a call because you're saying there maybe I can save you some money, maybe I can improve your coverage. Okay, fine. Come do it. And what, what the buyer is thinking is, if I get something interesting, maybe I'll change. But if it's not terribly interesting, I'll just tell my guy and see if he can match it. And that's what happens in our industry. You know as well as I do, almost every agency will thump their chest and go, well, we've got 92, 94% retention rate. Well, of course you do, because you have a relationship and you get last look. And that's what selling on price does. Relationship, you get last look. And so- at, when, when somebody's selling on price coverage, they find the coverage gap, they point it out, they bring back a price, there it is. Buyer says, man, I really like what you had to say. Give me a couple of days. Somehow in the meantime, buyer calls up the incumbent, goes, hey man, you got some competition. We're thinking about changing. Now the incumbent agent is a smooth cat. He's going to go, really, what's going on here? And and they've got a way to kind of Wiggle into the buyer's mind and find out what that number is. Pick up the phone, call the underwriter and say, here's what's going on. Now, if once again, there are exceptions. If it's a brutally hard market, nobody can write this. Maybe, maybe it's not a threat, but in a typical world, then the incumbent's going to find a way to match it, come back, tell the buyer, remind them all the favors he's done for them and probably keep the business. That's the problem of selling on price and coverage. Got it. All right. Um, and so in your model, um, I mean, obviously price doesn't disappear, but it does seem like it becomes progressively more irrelevant. Right. Okay. Because what, because you're going to pay for insurance, just like you pay for your utilities for your house. You're going to pay for it. You just don't want to get screwed, but you want to know, just like you were telling me when we got on, you woke up this morning and uh, your heater went out and it was 35 degrees outside and it was cold. 
That's the opposite of predictability. You thought you would always have heat, right? right? So as a buyer of insurance, what I want, I expect to pay for it. And what I want is predictably, I want it to be fair. But there are so many other things that really affect what really those hidden costs associated with insurance. And those hidden costs are when I have a claim, there's hard costs associated with it, and there's soft costs associated with it. When my when my deductibles are wrong or my limits are wrong, there's hard costs, soft costs. When my exposures are not covered well, there's hard costs, soft costs. There's a lot of stuff outside that that price that you pay that a good sharp producer is going to turn those into potential proactive services and exploit the weakness of that typical incumbent agent that's still in the price coverage you know relationship model, and and beat those guys. Okay, so, um, yeah, you, you would. You had mentioned, uh, you, you threw out the word hard market. You didn't say that you, you were seeing evidence of it, but in, in some classes of business, my clients are. What, what do you see happening there in commercial lines? Yeah, I was just talking to a client out in uh, Sacramento just a little while ago, and he said it's, I mean, it, it literally is brutal right now. In you know, transportation, property, some other things, particularly in California, Um I, I don't know that that's 100% true across the country. I haven't heard right. other people talk about it to the same degree. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, I think certainly in, it's in, in, in some classes of business and some, um, yeah, in, in some regions, um, we're even seeing, um, oh, uh, cl- cl- climate change. Uh, we've, we've seen some absolutely horrific increases in, in premiums. So. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. (laughs) It's beautiful. If, if, if premium goes up, price goes up, uh, I got more revenue coming to my agency. I'm going to call that organic growth. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Is it? Not really. Not really. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's okay. All right. Um, okay. So, um, uh, I, so let, let me ask it kind of an, another question because a, a lot of the listeners of this podcast are principals uh, who have producers or certainly want to grow through producers. It seems that there is, I mean, clearly there is a, um, a, a responsible and professional role for the agency principal vis-a-vis their producers. And I'm sure you've seen everything from, oh, back in the day, here's a phone book, start making calls, and that's kind of the end of their training, to, you know, m- obviously much more sophisticated, advanced uh, support, mentoring, coaching, training. Um, what, what do you see as fundamental role of the agency principle in designing a good commercial lines production machine in their office? Yeah, we call it ACT, A-C-T. You, you, you got to create a culture of accountability. You got to be a good coach and you got to train. And so I'm a big fan of Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. In fact, I watched a uh, documentary on them the other night. Uh-huh. And you, you, we might not like the individuals and their personality and they're too driven, they're too direct, but they each have six rings. And the reason they each have six rings is they do extraordinary work. They're great recruiters and, and they have a way to bring a new player in, to indoctrinate them into the system and to develop the player. And that's a critical word I'm using, to develop the player to fit into their system, 
to, and then ultimately into that team. And then that team wins championships. The focus is on developing the player and developing the player to be able to do their job really well. So now if you come back to agency principles, develop the player, develop the producer. And so staying with the football analogy, I think of a playbook. And so it's like you have a specials team, offense, and defense. Special teams playbook is to set appointments. And so you got to train people how to set appointments. You got to teach them how to make co calls. We do this thing called bold statement appointment setting, which is in total contrast to what most people teach. Uh, we, we, we teach this thing called red hot introductions. And then there's a digital marketing aspect that supports that. But nevertheless, if you got a new producer, you better teach them how to use the telephone and their digital tools to be able to get people and set appointments. If you don't do that, you don't have a salesperson. Secondarily, their offense, you got to teach them how to beat the incumbent. And that's, it's pretty direct, but there's not a decent account out there on the planet that doesn't have an incumbent agent. Right. And when you, when you change the focus from how do I go get the buyer to like me and how do I, how do I go show them how great we are and how do I make it about how beautiful people we are and we do charities and we're local and we care and instead make it about, Hey buddy, you got to go beat the bad guy. He's the incumbent and it's what you do that that guy's not doing. That's where your buyer's underserved. Let's get focused on that. Let's get you really good at being able to articulate that difference and send you on that sales call and help you go win the business. And so great leaders like Belichick, like, like Saban, you know, they, they, they develop their players to do their job, which is set appointments, win business. So do you think that there's anything in the environment now in, in this digital environment and this pandemic environment that makes the producer's job harder? Or do you think in general, it's, is it easier? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know that it's, that it's either. It's, so it's not over. It's not overly threatening, right? You, you're not seeing that. Okay. No, no, not, not at all. Not, not at, at all. all. Not, at, not all. at all. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> right. No. Right. See, see if, and, and let's, you know, I don't want to, I'm not too good at being very careful. So I'll, I'll just say it the way it is. If you hire somebody that's smart, they're intelligent, right? And they got some street smart on top of that. Then they're, they're smart enough that when you teach them something, they learn it. If you get somebody that's not smart, you teach them something that they don't learn it. And I know that sounds like, duh, but mm-hmm. you know you need smart people that when you teach them something, they actually learn it. Then if you get people who are driven or you know gritty, to use a term, then they, they they're also will sustain or be sustainable even in the, uh, the turmoil of trying to figure it all out. They're not going to quit. Mm-hmm. So if they're smart and they don't quit, then, 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 then they're going to make it happen. So smart people who don't quit, are doing really well right now, really well right now. Uh, well, that does sound like the ideal person. So let, let me ask you a question. Uh, very, very recently, like within the last two weeks, I reached out to a fairly significant part of the industry, a, a big list, and I yep. asked for feedback from agencies or agents um, about uh, their, their challenges with organic growth. And, of course, you know, my perspective and my context was – uh, the launch of a uh, marketing course, an online marketing course. But right. 
a very common response that I got, even though that it uh, pertained to marketing more than production, was where do I find good people or how do I recruit people or, uh, you know, it's so hard to, to get the right person. Uh, no doubt that's a that that's always been a challenge on the production side. What do, what do you say to people about filling that need? Well, we, we have to agree, right? It is. It, it has been, will be, always has been, always will be hard to get good people. So to get good people, you, 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 you got to be attractive to good people. Okay. <laughs> right. So, yeah. just, so just like you want to be attractive to a prospect in the marketplace for insurance. Yeah. So now you got to go back and ask the brutal question. What makes you attractive to a producer candidate? Do you have a training program? Do you have a way to help them? you know, learn this business fast. Do you have a hell way to, to get them on the telephone making appointments? Do you have to, do you have a differentiation to be able to help them go on a sales call and go win? If you don't, not only is it hard to find people, you created your own resistance. So, so that's number one. Yeah. Yeah. Number and, and, and then if somebody does come on board with you, it's very likely they won't be satisfied. No. Okay. And then okay. we, we're, we're going to take your genius. There's, there's a marketing element. And what from, from a, um, I got this, this one client that was, um, uh, you know, so I wrote a book on how to find, hire and develop new producers called grid. And, uh, so I, I'm also attracting agency owners that that's what they want to do. So, so he sent me an ad that one of the major M and a consultants, uh, had helped him write. And Michael, it was, in fact, I should pull it up, but I won't. But it, but it would be like, um, uh, if, if you feel you're good at B2B sales and that you can ask a client to write you a check for a hundred to $500,000 and you're a man's man, then I want you to answer this ad. And I'm going, <laughs> no disrespect, but the way that was written, nobody would respond to that. And so most of the ads, the headlines, the copy that's being put out there to try to attract producers repels them. It does just the opposite. And so then I, I'd love to get your feedback on this. As I was um, kind of going through this and kind of helping them reword it, I, I said also, because you and I both do this, that's the purpose of our podcast, right? I got my podcast, you podcast, to give people a chance to get to know us. I said to this guy, I said, I said, in your ad, how do you get this dude a chance to get to know you and be attracted to you as an agency owner? Put, start putting your, your, put your videos on YouTube about a, what's a day like in your life, Doug? Mm. What, what's it like to be a producer? What's it like to get to go into a job site? What's this building go from nothing into 30 stories or, or to walk into a manufacturing facility where they back up a truck, unload it, and it goes to this manufacturing and on the other end, they're loading it back up and send it out. It's like, how? cool is that? Where the hell is that in that ad? It's like, so, so if you want to attract great people, you, you got to have that, the honey or whatever is attractive. You got to have the right perfume. You, you got to think about attracting them. And then once you've attracted them, you're going to attract some good and you're going to attract a lot of bad. Then you better have a filtering process to then filter those who meet the criteria and those who don't, don't. And most people, so most, most agency owners that respond to that deal, number one, are writing terrible ads 
And then number two, they have a terrible assessment process and they feel lucky. And so then they end up hiring crap and then they resent and, and go, you can't fire good, you can't hire good producers. And so it's a negative, negative, negative. Okay. <laughs> so pretty much they're not doing anything right. All right. So, well, well <laughs> hey, hey, look, but, but unless we, unless we, you, you know, throw me under the bus. We're, we're here to tell but, the truth. <laughs> but all we got to do is go look at their sales team, how it's grown and how, and yeah. what their hit ratio is. Those who are amazing. Um, some research I saw from, from Reagan consulting, you know, the, 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 the top 20% on hitting on, are hitting on like eight out of 10. The bottom 20% are hitting on about one out of 10. It's a huge, huge, yeah. big old deal. And so most of the agencies we're talking about uh, are these, you know, what really is my target market. I mean, small agencies with, you know, three to seven producers is kind of my, my target niche. These are the guys that, that are, they want to, but they struggle to, to, to attract and hire and develop these new candidates. So, um, Randy, good segue. Tell us, like, uh, tell us what you do and how you solve these problems for insurance agencies. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, have a, we, ha we have a program called Big Nation. Go big or stay home is what it's called. And it's, it's this, it's this combination of, of, you know, the, this, this whole playbook is well-defined. So here's exactly what you do. Nick Saban, I think would be proud. Mm -hmm. Here's all the training to build how to do it. And then I built a technology platform or a CRM that fits every piece of that. So you don't have to go out and reconstruct and try to take a salesforce.com from scratch and pay a lot of money to a consultant to make it work. It's like, this fits what we're asking you to do that is proven uh, to, to, to go grow business. So it's coaching training and then with the technology help make it easy for these agency owners to do it. And this is for commercial lines producers. It's for right? commercial line. Yep. Okay. Um, Randy, I have one last question for you. Um, you, like you said, you've been in the industry for 30 years and you've seen a lot of change. If you, if you could deliver one non-commercial message, something that, you think this industry should perhaps wake up to and pay attention to what would you want to say to the leaders of the industry right now? Well, it's an awesome business. And what makes it awesome is you've got this, the, the, this, this revenue you put on the books uh, and you grow business and you grow this amazing equity. It's an awesome business for producers to get into when you compare it to almost everything else out there on the planet, it's a great place to be. And so look, can't, can't everybody be great at this and that's fine. But, but if you feel like you got the potential, like step up and own it and, and own that awesome opportunity you have to, to be able to attract and bring people into this wonderful thing you got going on because the money is unlimited. And here's why there's unlimited prospects Mm -hmm. And there's unlimited product. That means unlimited money to build to be made. Okay. Uh, Randy, if listeners want to find out more about the Wedge Group, about your training, or if they've got questions, what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, and my website is uh, www.thewedge.net. That's T-H-E-W-E-D-G-E, -E, just like a wedge of cheese, thewedge.net. And, um, you know, so they, they can find us there. 
um, if it's really important, they could email me at randy at thewedge.net. Got it. Randy at thewedge.net. All right. Well, Randy, uh, as always, a uh, pleasure catching up with you and getting your insights on what's happening in commercial lines production. So thank you so much for joining us today. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Michael. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.